Time to get into today's teaching. Would you stand with me and open to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be starting in verse 10. We've been going through a series called Battle Ready. Somebody say, ready. ready. The goal of this series is to prepare, to ready ourselves for spiritual warfare. And so over the last three weeks, this is week number four. In fact, we started part one on, uh, on New Year's Eve, and which is not traditional, but we wanted you to get ready on New Year's Eve with prayer and fasting. If you missed that message, you can go back and watch it online. Then we talked about uh, we talked about getting into community, into small groups. Then we talked about serving. Now, some of the, some of those are kind of the basics that we need. How many of you know prayer is a weapon? In fact, I believe it's our greatest weapon. Prayer and reading God's word. I mean, you're starting to equip yourself there. Getting around other people. Let me tell you. Huh, iron sharpens iron. We talked about that. It's great. It's not good to do battle, uh, to do battle alone. It's great to surround yourself with people that are going to go to battle with you. And then how many of you know, uh, with the right heart, we can serve God. We can go into the territory that the enemy is trying to claim, and we can take it back for God. I want to claim territory. I don't know about you. Today, we're actually going to get into some spiritual warfare topics. In fact, today, the series was supposed to come to an end, but I wrote two sermons, so <laughs> it's going to be this week and next week. We're going to be talking about winning the warfare. Somebody say winning the warfare. How many of you want to win the warfare? Man, the great news is that when we have God on our side, we already have victory. So you don't have to strive to win the warfare. You've already won it in Jesus. Amen. Ephesians 6, chapter 10. I'm going to read chap, uh, verse, uh, sorry, Ephesians 6, verse 10, and I'm going to go to verse 17. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. How many of you know he's trying to scheme against you? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, and we're going to start with this verse today. We're going to dive in with just this one. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which, which you can extinguish, all the flame, flaming arrows of the evil one. Then take this helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Today, we're going to talk about winning the warfare. And I'm going to give you some truth about spiritual 
warfare. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word leads us and guides us. Your word is everything. Your word is truth. So today we stand on your truth, knowing, Lord, that everything that we need is already there. And Lord, you are always with us in the process. So Lord, today as we talk about this spiritual warfare, Lord, I already know that there's going to be warfare going on in our hearts and minds as we study this. But Lord, let us approach this with victory that we've already won, that you've already won. So Jesus, I pray that you would bless this message. Let these words be yours and not mine. In your name we pray. And everybody said, you may be seated. So this week, I was uh, reading Ephesians chapter 6, and God just kept revealing to me that we are in a spiritual battle. Now, I already knew that. God already spoke that over me. But there is so much that I believe that this church and your family and your life, I believe there's so much application in this chapter that I wanted to extend it to two weeks. So today is going to be in the Battle Ready series, Winning the Warfare. Next week, we're going to go a little bit deeper in Winning the Warfare. But today, you can actually have like a subtitle of called The Truth About spiritual warfare. Today, we're going to talk about the truth about spiritual warfare. But before we get to the truth, I want to talk to you about the lies of the enemy. How many of you know the enemy, like we said, like we read, he has schemes. He has tactics. He has lies. In fact, he's called the deceiver. And so we have to talk about the lies about spiritual warfare, then we can address these lies with the truth. Here's the first lie. We're going to go through the lies relatively quickly. The first lie is that spiritual warfare is not real. <laughs> spiritual warfare is not real. I've heard it said this way. The greatest trick that the enemy can play on you is convincing you that he is not real. <laughs> Have you heard that before? If the enemy can convince you that he's not real, there's, there's no reason to believe there's warfare against you. If the enemy can convince you that he's not real, you're going to be indifferent. You're not going to feel like you really need to do anything. But let me tell you, the word of God is very clear. God exists. The devil exists. Heaven exists. Hell exists. Angels and demons exist. Angels are not just metaphors, and demons are not just metaphors. These are the forces of good and evil, the forces of, of righteousness, and the forces of the enemy coming against us. So in this spiritual realm, there's this battle between light and darkness. There's this battle between the enemy and his demons and God, the father and his angels. Now, again, I'm going to start by saying, number one, spiritual warfare is real. Is there warfare? Yes. As Christians who follow Jesus, can we lose the war? Well, the answer is no. 
We have victory in Jesus. Ultimately, we can approach all of these topics, all of the tactics, all of the schemes of the enemy. And at the end, the warfare belongs to the Lord. Amen. But there's still a raging war. You see, we're going to win the warfare, but sometimes we may not win the battles. Do you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we have these battles, these struggles, these trials and tribulations, and sometimes we go to battle and we're not equipped. Sometimes we go to battle and we're just not ready. And I believe that God's calling us to all be battle ready. In fact, if you haven't gotten that from the sermons recently, then I want you to know God is calling us to be battle ready. Now, here's the thing. When we're reading Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to read that, this part one more time. In verse 14, before he mentions all the rest of the armor of God, did you notice that verse 14 starts with, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Did you notice that that's the first piece of armor that Paul talks about when he's writing this? It's, it's almost like he's saying, like before that, the, the verse before that, he says, our, str- our struggle's not against flesh and blood. Our, our struggle's against authorities. It's against powers. It's against uh, this dark world, spiritual forces of evil and heavenly realms. And then right after that, he says, you have to have the truth. You, you have to start with the truth. You have to buckle yourself with the belt of truth. It, it's almost like he's saying, this is my interpretation, there's a battle we can't see. There's a battle that is spiritual. And so the first thing you're going to need to do is know the truth. The first thing you're going to need to know is that, that the truth is going to hold everything together. I mean, if you're wearing a belt today, you might know the belt holds everything together. Without the belt, things fall apart. (laughs) You see, I think I've heard it this way. I don't remember where I heard it, but a a, a pastor once said that there's a lot of sagging Christians, right? They don't don't have the belt. They're they're kind of spiritually sagging, which means that they're not not buckling their belt. If the belt holds things together, then that's the first place that we need to start. You see, if, 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 if the truth holds everything together, it means that I need to start there. I need to believe the truth in order to fight for the truth. Amen? I need to believe the truth first or else I'm going to believe a lie. You see, I have to believe the truth in order to fight for truth. And if Satan can get you to believe that spiritual warfare isn't real, then you've started off everything with a lie. Everything else falls apart. If this one lie penetrates your heart, there's no need to put on the rest of your armor. I want you to realize that today. If you believe that spiritual warfare is not real, there's no reason to put on your armor. How many of you know that is the most vulnerable place we can be in a spiritual battle? Eh, It's not real. There's no spiritual war. There's no forces of evil that are coming against me. Well, guess what? 
If I'm putting on the belt of truth, I don't, I don't have anything else that, that's going to protect me from the schemes of the enemy. Here's another lie. Lie number two, spiritual warfare does not affect you. That's another lie. Spiritual warfare does not affect you. You see, if you don't think that spiritual warfare affects you, here's some news. It's already affected you. (laughs) Spiritual warfare affects us in ways we don't realize. It affects the way we think. It affects the way we speak. It affects the way we lead our families, the way we work, the way we serve, the way we live. It affects our mind, our soul. It it affects our passions, our desires, our will, our emotions. Let me tell you, if the enemy can wage war against your will, you're not going to do God's will. You're going to do yours. If the enemy can wage war against your mind, he's going to plant some lies in there. If the enemy can wage war against your desires and your passions, he's going to trick you into pursuing things that won't last. He's going to trick you into pursuing things that are not worth pursuing. Let me tell you, spiritual warfare does affect all of us. Let me tell you... (laughs) Whether you see it or not, spiritual warfare is going on all around us. It affects every single one of us. Here's another one. Here's another lie. Well, spiritual warfare is not for me. (laughs) Spiritual warfare is not for me. That's what some people say. It's for somebody else, but it's not for me. It's for people that go to Thursday night prayer, you know, right, Tess? Right, John? Like, no, 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 no. Spiritual warfare, it's for those people. It's for the people who like to go and they pray together and they fight and they fight and they fight. And, but it's not for me. I'm just like a normal person. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on Thursday night, like I'm watching football. Like, I'm not, do, I'm not going to prayer. I'm doing, I'm doing things normal people do. You see, like I, spiritual warfare is for other people. But that's, that's the thing. Like, it is for you. Why? Well, I don't want you to miss this because this is really important. And if nobody's told you this in in your lifetime, you're about to discover something about yourself that's essential to who you are. You are not merely a physical being with the spirit. You're a spiritual being with the body. Let me tell you who you are. Yeah, yeah, some people think this is it. Like, yeah. no, no, no. Our, our flesh and blood, we don't fight against flesh and blood. Remember, we, our, our bones and our, our physical nature is the shell. It, it, is, it is what God gave us to live in this physical world. But how many of you know, when, when we're done living in this physical world, we are spiritual beings that will live forever. You see, you are... Many people get this wrong. Well, well, spiritual warfare is not for me. I'm like, you're a spirit. You're, you're a spirit. What do you mean it's not for you? Spiritual warfare is for everybody. You see, because, it, it, because you're a spirit, you have to realize there is a spiritual battle between good and evil. You have to realize that there is only two sides to this equation. 
There is only good and there is only evil. There is no in between. There are only two options and you're either going to war on the side of God or you're going to war either indifferent or spiritually unready. So therefore you cannot fight for good. You cannot fight for what's right. You cannot fight for the truth. So in, in essence, you're, you're on the other side. You're on the other side. There's only two sides. There is not an in-between. Spiritual warfare is for you. I want you to realize that spiritual warfare is for you. Here's another lie. Engaging in spiritual warfare is not necessary. It is necessary. It's a lie of the enemy. You see, some people believe that warfare isn't necessary. I'm just going to stay neutral. I'm just going to stay out of it. You know, uh, I'm just, I'm, it's not my battle. It's not something that I want to get into. It's not a battle that I want to fight. Some people believe that the spiritual battles, they just skip over them, right? Everyone else is going to spiritual battle because they put themselves in the battle. I'm just watching from the sidelines. I'm just watching everything. I, I, I'm doing things. If I leave it alone, it can't touch me, right? If I leave it alone, the enemy won't attack me, right? If I leave it alone, my family will be kept safe. No, the opposite is true. If you think you're ignoring it, you're not. You've actually taken your position. You've actually taken your position. Let me tell you, yes, amen. You've taken your position. Why? Because our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is against spiritual forces of evil in high places. Our war is against principalities. If you're not battling against evil, against principalities, against the enemy, then you've chosen your spot. It's as simple as that. You see, the enemy wants you to be complacent. The enemy wants you to think he's not real. The enemy wants you to think it's not, that, that spiritual warfare is not necessary. Why? Why? Because if you did think it was necessary and it did apply to you, you would win automatically. If you understand what the Bible says, oh yeah, if you're complacent, if you're not engaging then you're not winning. As soon as you engage, as soon as you're equipped with the armor of God, with the sword of the spirit, with the shield of faith, with the helmet of salvation, let me tell you, the, the, the verse says, it, it doesn't even say swing the sword. and It says stand firm. Like, what are you going to do? It doesn't even say swing the sword and go bash the enemy with the shield. No, God fights that battle. It says to stand firm. And when everything is all said and done, just stand. Amen. Now, I'm not saying we don't engage. I'm just saying we can we stand and we win. That's all I'm saying. We just got to stand. We just got to stand. Listen. To win the war that you're going up against, you don't need anything but to stand. I'm standing on the word. I'm standing on my faith. 
I have a firm foundation. I'm standing knowing that I already have victory and I'm gonna let God do the rest. If God says go, I'm gonna go. But really, victory is already won when I stand. Now, those are the lies. Just a few. There's, there's other lies. There's other things the enemy tries to implant into our minds. And, but, but I have to give you the truths now. I have to give you the truth so that you know what spiritual warfare is. And then you know how to go about it. Truth number one is that spiritual warfare is invisible. Spiritual warfare is invisible. We just read it. Ephesians 6, 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Yeah, you think your Thea and your Theo are the ones that you're trying to fight? Right? Like, that's, no, there's a spiritual battle going on. Like, we like to blame people, and then we give the enemy an out. I don't understand. Like, the enemy isn't a part of that. No, 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 it's not them it's a spiritual battle. It's invisible. You see, the, the, the enemy wants you to think it's the person because if he can trick you that it's them, right, that, then you're actually fighting the wrong enemy. You're fighting flesh and blood. No, 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 no. That's why we teach you, pray about it. P- p- plead the blood of Jesus over them. Use wisdom, on, on when to approach, how to approach, what are you going to say? God, not my words, but yours. God, God, I, I don't, I need to learn how to love my enemies like you said. Let me tell you, that is fighting the battle. That, that's, that's recognizing that you're not fighting against people, but you're fighting against principalities. Oh yeah, you can think of them right now. I said Theo and Thea, and you're like, oh man. I knew it was a demon. (laughs) Spiritual warfare is invisible. I'm telling you, the biggest battles are the battles that we don't see. The greatest wars are the wars that we don't see. Sometimes the greatest battles will that we will ever fight are the invisible battles we'll never see. Spiritual warfare is invisible. You see, this is why I like to pray, God, show me your perspective. God, give me your vision to see. God, God, open my eyes so I can see things the way that you see them. Sometimes I like close my eyes and I'm, God, I'm like, God, I'm closing my physical eyes because what I see, yeah, whew, whew, what I see, I mean, it gets, it gets me angry. It gets me mad. How can they be that way? How can they do that? How can they say those things? And I close my eyes and I say, God, when I open my eyes, help me see them the way you see them. Have you noticed that a lot of times we don't let others get away with things, but we expect them to let us get away with things? Like when somebody wrongs you, it's different because they wronged you. 
But if you made a mistake with somebody else, like a lot of times we like expect other people to forgive us. Let me tell you, sometimes when you're in that moment, you have to realize they are a child of God. They, 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 are, they are somebody who is made in the image of God. You see, if we can see them the way God sees them, you know what God would do? <laughs> Grace, mercy, forgiveness, restoration, reconciliation. I mean, how many times are we supposed to forgive people, right? 70 times seven in a single day? That's a lot of forgiveness, But you know what? When you see someone the way God sees them, that they are made in the image of God, that God loves them unconditionally, even while they are still sinners, even while they are still making mistakes, even while they are wronging you, God loves them just as much as he loves you. Whoa. Then maybe we can be more like the love that God has for us. I always love to say this, is that that kind of love, to, to fight that battle in, in, that, in that invisible warfare on that level, it takes a love, a perfect love. How many of you know you, you can't improve something that's already perfect? Right? God, I wish, you, I wish I could love them more. God's saying, I want to establish in you a perfect love. I'm going to show you a perfect love, a love that cannot be improved. Perfect love means it already exists. It's unconditional. And that is the nature of who God is. Spiritual warfare is invisible. And many times we think it's people. Here's another one. Truth number two. Spiritual warfare is inside. Woo. No, 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 no. It's outside, pastor. It's not inside me. It's outside. It's everybody else is the problem. It's our schools and it's our government and there's spiritual warfare out there. And okay, okay. There's spiritual warfare everywhere. But let me tell you, it's not just invisible, it's inside. Because what happens in spiritual warfare is a lot of times we like to see it out there, but we ignore what's happening in here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In order for you to make a difference out there, God wants to to do something in here. God's saying, wait, wait, before you try to correct other people's problems, let's correct the things that I've been trying to point out to you for a long time. God's saying, why are you, like the whole, yeah, take the plank out of your own eye so you can see the plank in someone. I mean, come, a lot of times we like to project. We like to, to think of ourselves as somebody where, where spiritual warfare doesn't exist. It's always outside of us. Have you noticed? Have you always noticed that it's always outside of us? Now, if you've noticed that it's inside, well, I think you're on your way to spiritual maturity. Because a lot of times, like, if I go into a prayer session, I don't just start praying for other people. You know what the first thing that we're taught to do is? Confess our sins. Repent. Purify yourself. Before you start praying for somebody else, it's on the inside. Yeah. Yeah, I love, yeah, people, some of you are like, I love praying for everybody else. I just don't know how to pray for me. No, the way that we are instructed in the Bible to pray is to confess our sins, to repent of our sins. Then we can pray 
for our petition. We can lift up our petitions. We can lift up our prayers. We can ask God for great things. We can intercede on behalf of others, but not until he works on the inside first. Spiritual warfare is on the inside. And here's the scripture to prove it. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every what? And we take captive every what? Every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I love to take captive, right? Like it's like, I'm going to take, I'm going to catch that thought. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, if I, if I get that thought, I already know what to do. Some of you, I'm just going to, I'm just going to throw this out there. Some of you, God's trying to work on your thoughts. God, God's trying to say like, you have these intrusive thoughts. Can I be honest? Can we get real? You have some intrusive thoughts about what might happen to you, what might happen to your family. Maybe there's some thoughts that actually um, are, are, are ugly towards other people. Maybe you think of others less than you think of yourselves. Maybe instead of praying for them, you're judging them. Let me tell you, here's, what, here's my advice. Already have a plan in place. You see, because once the thought comes in, if you don't have a plan, then you're not going to know what to do with that thought. Here's what I like to do. One of the best things that we've done as a family is we've outlined verses for like many situations. In fact, I've talked about it before. When you open up the cabinet doors in our house to get like um, cups or plates and things like that, I open it up and there's scripture, right? Scripture. Why? Because we're trying to take captive every thought. If you feel like you're not good enough, that God can't use you. No, scripture says you are called, you are chosen, you are set apart, you are God's masterpiece. You feel like something's gonna happen, but you have those intrusive thoughts, something's gonna happen to me, something's gonna happen to the family, everything's gonna be bad. No, 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 no. God says not to worry. Jesus says it. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or what, are you, what, what you're going to drink. I'm the ultimate provider. I have the final word. You see, the, the, the battle is in the mind. The battle is on the inside. Many times we don't recognize the battle, but here's my thing is have a plan in place. And let me tell you, the plan is in the word. No, no, no. You know what? The sword, I'm taking out my sword. When that thought comes in, I'm taking it captive. That thought, uh-uh, you're not coming in here. You're not, you're not going to plant that seed anymore because I have the word of God on my side. I have the sword of the spirit. Uh-uh, you can't come close. Take captive every thought. Take captive every thought. The reason why you can't see things outside of you many times the spiritual battle is because these spiritual battles are inside of you. They're inside of you. The enemy wants to trick you and to 
He's going to scheme against you that you don't have to do anything with what's happening inside of you. But many times, if we're not dealing with the things that happen inside of us, we're, 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 we're in for a slow fade. If we're not taking captive every thought, every thought from the very, very first time that we get that thought, many times those thoughts can actually turn into actions. What we think oftentimes determines what we do. What we think often determines how we treat others. Oh, well, I think they're this way, so I'm going to treat them that way. Well, I think, so this is what I'm going to do. No, 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 no. Take captive every thought. Take captive every thought. Here's what I like. James 4, 7. James 4, 7 says this. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Amen. You know what I like about that is you notice something here. It's like submit yourself or or actually a couple of verses later, it says humble yourself, right? Humble yourself. Many times when we get the thought on the inside, the immediate answer should be to humble ourselves. God, here it is again. And I can't deal with this on my own. These thoughts are too intrusive. These thoughts are too big. These thoughts are too much that I just need to give them to you. I'm humbling myself, saying, God, I can't handle this on my own. What I love about this is 1 Peter 5, 6 gives us, gives us the exact same advice. It's written twice in Scripture. And when something's repeated, you know that it's true. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, humble yourselves. A couple of verses later, it says, resist him and stand firm in the faith. The key is humbling yourself, standing firm, and letting God fight that battle for you. Amen? Here's another truth for you. Spiritual warfare is inevitable. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's invisible, it's inside, and it's inevitable. What does that mean? That it's guaranteed. It's going to happen. Spiritual warfare is just a fact of life. 1 Peter 4.12 says this, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though some strange thing were happening to you. What's Peter saying? Hello? There's going to be battles there's going to be warfare. Don't be surprised. Don't be shocked. Even Jesus had to deal with warfare. Did he not? Did he not go into the wilderness? And was he not tempted by the enemy three times? And what did, how did Jesus respond, by the way? He, he, he responded with the word. He responded with scripture. I think Jesus gives us the perfect example of how to fight our spiritual battles. Let me tell you, you can respond with the truth of the word of God, or you can respond with the truth of the Wall Street Journal, right? Like you can respond to the truth in the Women's Health magazine. Well, I just think that I just need to take five deep breaths, and then I need to go meditate and do some yoga, and then I am going to be fine. Come on. Isn't that like, like you're either going to do what the truth says, or you're going to make up some other thing 
about how to deal with these things. Spiritual warfare is inevitable. It is inevitable. It will happen. Do not be surprised when it happens. I know that growing, well, growing up, I was, I was in my early 20s, and I remember uh, being a bachelor. I had a little bachelor pad, and uh, I had some friends from the church as roommates, and uh, it was before I was married, and I remember that instead of um, doing the dishes, we would just let them pile up, right? Like, we were thinking, like, if we just ignore them long enough, like, somebody will come along and be generous, and those dishes would get done, right? And so, like, we got to the point many times where we would just ignore it, and then instead of, like, doing the dishes all at once, like, Everything stayed piled high for like a month, and then so everything was gone, and then so what we would do is go to the, to, the, to the sink and like get one cup and then wash the one cup, right? And then we'd use the cup, and then we'd throw it back into the pile of mess, and then like I remember I'd always go back for the same cup because it was on the top. And then when we finally did the dishes, I was like, oh, I forgot I had that. I've been looking all over for that. Like, it was funny, like we think that, because we ignore something, that it's going to take care of itself. Spiritually, if you think that if you just ignore what's going on around you, we think it's going to take care of itself. Let me tell you, no, spiritual warfare is inevitable. It will come. We must deal with it. And when we deal with it, we must deal with it promptly. We must deal with it when it comes. Let me tell you, our mind is kind of like that sink. The junk starts to pile up. The junk starts to pile up, and we think if we ignore it long enough, nobody will notice. We think if we ignore it long enough, that God's just going to come in and say, you know what, can I do the dishes for you? Does he want to? Listen, listen. When we take captive every thought, we're saying, no, 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 my mind is clean. My mind is purified. My mind is submitted to Christ. I don't want any single thing to be left undone. I'm going to deal with it promptly. I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to allow him to purify me on a daily basis. You see, that's how we approach spiritual warfare. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. I'm going to dirty some dishes, but I have a choice on how to deal with it every single day. Here's my, here's my advice. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing, renewing, cleaning, purifying, renewing. I'm being made new every day. God's showing me something new every day. I'm renewing, I'm renewing. You know, re- renewing is not a one-time act. You, you notice how it says ing? It doesn't say, like, you're going to be renewed one time. It says, be transformed by the renewing. That means transformation is a process. That means transformation is always happening. That means the renewing is always happening. It's not a one-time event. It's a renewing every single day. Here is the fourth lie. Spiritual warfare can be intense. (laughs) Intense. 
Isaiah 43, 2, one of my favorite scriptures, says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. I don't know about you, but has anybody gone through some waters and you feel like you're drowning? Has anybody gone through the rivers and you know you like, you know what, I just, I just, I don't know where I'm going. I just, I'm, life is so busy, it's just sweeping me away. How many of you have been through fires? Fires, all of a sudden your life just seems like everything's on, on fire. That's what this scripture is saying, but here, the good news is, saying that he will be with you through the waters. He will be with you in the rivers. If you go through the fire, you will not be burned and the flames will not set you ablaze. But, but what happens when you're going through it, right? Spiritual warfare can be intense. In fact, the intensity is depicted all throughout scripture. Check this out. Scripture depicts spiritual warfare and the enemy in these ways. Satan means adversary, meaning he's against you. Satan has flaming arrows. This is why you can't be indifferent, by the way. He has a strategy, is what Scripture says. He has tactics or schemes. In fact, it says he prowls around like a roaring lion. Scripture also says that he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy Satan is called the prince of this world, and he has a kingdom, and his kingdom is over demons. You see, the Bible talks about all of these things, too. It's like, hey, when you're going through it, when you're going through the fire, when you're going through the water, let me tell you, God will be with you. But let me tell you, there is an adversary. There is uh, somebody who wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. There is a roaring lion. Spiritual warfare can be intense when, when you're fighting that spiritual battle. But here's what it means practically. Maybe some practical examples would help us understand what some spiritual warfare looks like. Practically, um, we deal with some spiritual adversity. We experience intense temptations. We begin doubting God's goodness. This is spiritual warfare. We begin doubting God's mercy. We begin doubting God's forgiveness. We, we deal with feelings of discouragement and defeat. I, can't, I just can't do this anymore. We, we're debilitated by fear so we don't move. We have disturbing thoughts, negative outlooks on life, negative attitudes towards people. We allow the past to affect our present. I'm going to say that one again because many times we're so good at this. We let our past affect our present. Spiritual warfare. God, he creates new things. He gives you a new mind. He gives you a new heart. He gives you a new soul. He gives you the new. You can't step into the new season if you're still hanging on to the old. 
Spiritual warfare, we allow our past to affect our present. We allow lies to penetrate our hearts. We deal with guilt and shame and condemnation from the enemy that we're not good enough. We have intense feelings of rejection, of loneliness. We try to numb our pain with substances. We live with addictions to drugs, to alcohol, to pornography, and so many other things that we establish in our life as crutches. That's what spiritual warfare looks like. That we can just ignore all that and say spiritual warfare is not real. There's a Greek word for that in the Bible. It's called baloney. (laughs) Thanks, Pastor Randy. That was a good one. (laughs) Spiritual warfare is is real, and it presents itself in so many ways. To deal with this intensity, look, I want you to listen. This is not in your notes, but you might want to write this down. When we're dealing with the intensity of spiritual warfare, it's not so much what you do. It's that we need to know who to call on. Many times we're like Mr. and Mrs. Fix-It. I can fix this. I can deal with this. It's not too big for me. It's not too much for me. Let me tell you, it's not too much for God. Let me tell you, it's not too much for him. It's not too much for his strength. It's not too much for his power. Many times temptation can overcome us if we let it. But God has overcome the world. (laughs) There's nothing that can come against him. Not any weapon that is formed against us will prosper. Nothing. Not the flaming arrows of the enemy. No, no, no weapon formed against us will prosper. You know what's interesting? Talk about all these adversities and addictions and doubt and where, you know, the enemy's the roaring lion. And you, you know what's interesting about Scripture? God revealed this to me this week. It was so profound. It's like, well, man, that's intense. Flaming arrows, there's fire, there's a lion, there's, there's, there's all these ways it shows itself, fear and, and, and addictions and so many things. And I, I was just thinking, well, like, if it's not what we do, it's who we call on. And then I realized the names of God are full explanation of how to deal with Just the names. Refuge. Strength, fortress, shield, deliverer, helper, redeemer, savior. Like, he does his name, like just knowing his names, just knowing who he is, just knowing who he says he is, that is enough. There's not a four-step strategy. There's one God who makes us victorious, and his name is Jesus. He is the Lord of lords. He is the King of kings. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I'm like, God, God, I've been dealing with this all along, and I've been dealing with it all wrong. 
That's why I'm just like, it's like, just call on the name of Jesus. Just, just, just lift his name high. Who is he? You're dealing with those tribulations. You're dealing with those trials. It's okay. Refuge, shield, strength, fortress, deliverer, helper, redeemer, savior. I need you. And to stand. And to stand. (laughs) Some of you have been fighting some intense spiritual battles for a very long time. Let me teach you something about the spiritual battle. His name is the name that is above all names. That at the name of Jesus... Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The enemy will bow. His demons will bow. Everything that comes against you will bow. Just lift up his name. Just declare who he is. Just say it. Say it over and over. Tell him who he is. Raise your hand and you have won. You have victory in the name of Jesus. We don't win the battle because of what we do. We win the battle because of who is with us. We don't win the battle because of our strength. We win the battle because he is our strength. We've been fighting all wrong. Some of us have been fighting all wrong. You've been fighting wrong. Stop. Surrender. Stand. Call on his name. In fact, write this down. Refuge, strength, fortress, shield, deliverer, helper, redeemer, savior. Can you write that fast? The names. Next time you're dealing with that addiction, next time you're dealing with that temptation, next time that intrusive thoughts come, just call on his name. Just say his name. In fact, don't just call him one name. Call him all the names. (laughs) You need some peace? Call on the prince of peace. Psalm 46, 1 and 3 says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever present help in trouble. You notice that He's not our help from trouble, He's our help in trouble. Trouble is inevitable, spiritual warfare is inevitable. He doesn't keep you from it. Sometimes he keeps you in it because you will have victory through it. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. That sounds like an intense spiritual battle. But it starts with God is our refuge and our strength. That's it. 
doesn't say when the, when the mountains quake and the waters roar, you have to do this four-step process. No, no, no. God. God. Here's, here's truth number five. Now, this one is going to change your life because you've got to understand this one. Like, you've got, this has to be explained. Spiritual warfare can be enjoyable. Amen. What? People are like, people are looking at me funny, like, what do you mean? Oh, man. You know what? In the 2000, to, when I was watching the 2003, 2005, and 2007, and 2013 Spurs. <laughs> sorry, like I, I, that wasn't even in my notes. Like, I remember, like, winning was enjoyable. Woo! Now, woo! <laughs> winning was enjoyable. Let me tell you, when you're winning, you enjoy it. When you're victorious, you enjoy it. If you go in with an undefeated God, knowing the outcome, let me tell you, you're fighting that spiritual battle. I've seen some people laughing at the enemy. <laughs> The enemy thinks he can have me. <laughs> no weapon formed against me will prosper away from me, Satan. I have victory in Jesus. You think you can tempt me? No. <laughs> Enjoyable. Uh, like some, I mean, how many? Where's my, my, there's my prayer team, and I know y'all come into Thursday night with victory, and you're hollering, and you're saying, I'm ready to go because I already know we won. It can be enjoyable. Listen, I'm not saying you're not going to go through heartache. I'm not saying you're not going to go through pain. I'm not saying you're not going to go through these trials. I'm not saying that you're not going to go through it. I'm saying James 1, 2, consider it pure joy. What? What is Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Some people think James was crazy here. Consider it joy when we face trials. Consider it joy. Spiritual warfare can be enjoyable. Trials can be enjoyable. Consider it joy. Well, yeah, because you have to keep reading. Consider it joy when you face trials. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The trials come and you're thinking, I'm being sharpened. Woo! I'm not in trouble, I'm in training. Ha! The enemy's coming against me and I'm being made mature. All you immature people, ha ha ha. I'm being made mature. I'm going through it. Verse 12 says, even it goes a step further. It says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Oh, so I can be joyful in the midst of it. And then I can be blessed when I'm going through it. I'm blessed when I go through trials. I'm blessed when I persevere because that's because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Woo! 
oh, I'm celebrating because the enemy is trying to put something in my head, but I'm wearing a crown. I'm blocking out everything he can put because I am a son of the most high. Nothing can come against me. I'm putting that crown of life that the Lord promised to me long ago. Being made mature. I'm not lacking anything. I'm facing trials, but I'm joyful. And if you thought James was crazy, it's okay. Paul said the same thing. They were both crazy for Jesus. Not only so, Romans 5.3, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Another translation says, we rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. There's a different level of spiritual maturity when you're under attack, but you're laughing at the enemy saying, thanks for sharpening me. Thanks, because glory goes to God. You're not knocking me off track. I am more focused in this spiritual battle. I am being made complete. Oh, Enemy, I, I, you know, you, you, you can bring stuff at me all you want, and I'm going to have perseverance and character and hope and all the things the Bible promises me. Spiritual warfare can be enjoyable. Man, that will change your life. That will change your life. All I know is this, is part of that is because winning is fun. You see, but here's the thing is, is you can't look at this with your physical eyes or you'll never see the win. You can't look at this with your physical eyes or you'll never see the point. You'll never see the sharpening. You'll never see the maturity. You're only going to see what the enemy wants you to see, the troubles, the trials. You see, you really have to open your spiritual eyes to see the blessing. You really have to open your spiritual eyes to see the victory. We got to open our spiritual eyes. It can be enjoyable. Would you stand with me today? Wow. Winning the warfare. Somebody say, winning the warfare. Somebody to say, I'm winning. Somebody say that. Say, I'm winning. Woo! How do we win? How do we win? We call on the name of the Lord. We surrender to him. Everything that comes against us, let me tell you, is defeated already. Victory is guaranteed in Christ. So today, as we go into a time of worship and prayer, listen, I don't know what you're going through, but I do know who wants to go through it with you. You see, God will never leave you nor forsake you. He always will be with you. But many times we push him away. I can handle it, God. I can do it on my own. That's called pride. It's interesting how 
The victory is found in humility. The victory is found when we humble ourselves. The victory is found when we count on his name, not our own. So like I said, not, I don't know what you're going through, but I do know who wants to go through it with you. I don't know what trial or temptation or tribulation that you're going through, but I do know this, that with his name, and as you lift up his name, you will have everything you need. You will have the victory. You will have the power. You will have the authority, not because of you, but because of him. So today I wanna give, I wanna give us some practice today. You might not know what to pray for, but you do know who to pray, uh, pray to. So today I feel like some of y'all are fighting spiritual battles and you've tried to be on the offense and you've tried to fight it when really all you really needed to do was say his name, refuge, fortress, shield, deliverer, savior. Refuge, fortress, shield, deliverer, prince of peace, Lord of lords, king of kings. And as you proclaim his name, he's going to start letting you know that that battle is being fought and that battle has already been won. Today, we're going to open up the altars. I have prayer partners to my right and to my left. If you don't know what a prayer partner is, it just means they want to partner with you in your prayer. They want to pray for you. They want to pray with you. We have leaders that do this. And like I said, I don't know what you're going through, but I do know there are also people who want to pray with you. At the same time, the altars are going to open up. But before we get to the altars, before we get to the prayer partners, all heads bowed, all eyes closed across the room. If today you walked into this place and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to respond. You may have walked in feeling defeated, but today I proclaim that you will have victory in the name of Jesus. Today, if you want to start a personal and real relationship with Jesus with no heads or with no heads up and no eyes looking across the room, would you just slip your hand up so we can pray for you? If you want to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I see your hands. Amen. Amen. Wow. Let's all pray this prayer together. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died again, that you died. I believe that you rose again. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Today, I promise to live for you from this day forward. Amen. Now, that's a simple prayer. I'm going to encourage every single one of you to find a prayer partner. Whether you raised your hand, whether you didn't, whether you're going through a spiritual battle, whether you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to find a prayer partner. I want you to find a spot. We're going to spend these next few moments praying. God, spoke to me before this service and he really revealed it to me that there are some intense spiritual battles going on in this room. Don't waste this opportunity to get prayed over and to get prayed for. We're going to pray for the next five minutes.